Good morning. It's good to see you and welcome to worship this morning. I want to take just a moment. You'll see in your bulletin there. And uh, I'm going to ask you to take just a moment and pause from Zephaniah 1-7. Listen to what Zephaniah says. Be silent before the Lord God. Let's take a moment and just be silent. Be silent before the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. I invite you, his guests this morning, to stand with me as I call us to worship. And we'll begin worship singing together. Come ye thank the people come. But Psalm 22 says, come all the ends of the earth. Remember and turn to the Lord and let all the families of all the nations worship before you. Amen. You may be seated, and it's good to see everybody, and I hope you had a chance to have a bulletin so that we can follow along. We will be singing from the hymn and from our bulletin, so we want you to be able to follow along. If you didn't get one, please help yourself to have one out there. You will see several announcements. Today is the last day for our shoe boxes, so we do. If you last-minute efforts or you have something, please let us know, or if you have forgotten to bring one, please just let us know and bring it when you can. Uh, we can always get it to where it needs to be, but we'll be preparing all those and sending them off today. So we appreciate everybody who's been a part of helping uh, put those shoe boxes together. Many of you may not realize, but in all of those shoe boxes goes along the plan of salvation and an incomplete Bible study put out by the Samaritan's Purse. And so if you've never seen those children's Bible studies, they're fabulous. They lead us right into a personal relationship no matter what your age. And so if you've never seen those, we're not just sending gifts. The money is actually used to send an actual gospel presentation and a story and a Bible study so that whoever gets a box actually gets an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for helping us share the gospel around the world. Uh, you will see the uh, Bible studies uh, on break this week. I know the ladies' Bible study, the men's Bible study, we will be picking back up. We've only got a few weeks left on Wednesday night, I know. Uh, men, we already have the books for next semester, next year, next spring that are already here. We're going to be doing Second Samuel together. Uh, we don't have our normal series, and so it's David's heart revealed to us in Second Samuel. It's a book by John MacArthur. Many of you are familiar with him. He's the one that we chose since we don't have our normal series here, but it's a very similar study. But men, we encourage you, even if you can't come, we have books. You can follow along. You can participate in studies so that you can be a part of the conversations and the learning at whatever time we gather together here at the church. And so we encourage you, men or women, or in Sunday school, to be a part of our programs. We have something for everyone. Sunday nights, we have all of our children's ministries and our youth ministry going. Uh, last week, Steve came by and was part of a study in our elders, and afterward, we were walking down the, the hallways, and he made a comment to me that I thought was amazing. And I want to say thank you to so many of you. He said, Jerry, I've never seen so many different people helping serve. And so you may not realize that, but on Sunday nights alone, we have all the helpers that are helping in the children's program, the helpers that are in the youth program, and now we have several, and we're working together. We're hoping to get the preschool program going, but uh, it's a wonderful program on Sunday nights, and my prayer one day might be that when all those people downstairs having fun, we could come upstairs and have a little fun and do a Bible study and some fellowship time and share time together as adults. And so uh, we'll just leave that to the Lord, and, but as it grows, we do need your help. Uh, especially if you want to substitute teach for our children. Let me just remind you, uh, we try to fill people in as we need it, but I know uh, with stuff going on in our family, Stacy's going to take some time out, and I know 
Gay is going to step in and help, but we also have Angela that's having surgery. And so if you have a few months that you could help with our elementary class, our younger elementary, so that Gay would at least have some help, there's sometimes 10, 12, 13 kids that are in that Sunday school class. And so what a blessing, and we don't want to have to stop that. And so uh, if you're able to help, please let me know so that you can come in and we can keep that Sunday school class moving at least through the winter months here. So God has been so good. There's so much going on. We do want you to have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, let me say thanks to all of you. Uh, we're finishing up three years here, but it's been a wonderful journey. We've met a lot of wonderful people. You've really become a family to many of us as we left some of ours behind. And uh, it's been a wonderful three years. And I pray that your family, going through the same things, the transitions, kids off to college, now in high schools, we're watching them get married, we're, we're transitioning life together. And I just want to personally say thank you uh, as I'm here ministering to you. You minister to me so many times as well. And so I, I pray that you'll have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving time together in your family as well. But let's take a moment, go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll ask him for his blessing here this morning. And then we'll share in the Lord's prayer together. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you can fill out that guest card. Uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Or if you need a prayer request, fill out the back side of that card and place it in the offering plate this morning. And we'd love to be able to minister and pray for your family specifically. But let's take a moment and I'll lead us to the throne of grace. And if you'll join me in the Lord's prayer in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we come this morning as you've called us to come, to simply be in your presence where you have planned from all eternity for us to spend with you. Lord, though it's not the perfect place yet, Lord, it's your body, it's the place we try. Lord, to let the scriptures be revealed through us. Lord, to let us be those living sacrifices. And Lord, though we fall short so many times, we are so thankful this week more than anything else that you chose us that you would use us in all of our frailty and sin. Lord, help us overcome the expectations of being perfect without you. And help us to realize that only in your grace, through your Son, as the writer of Hebrews has been teaching us, that everything else is inadequate until we've met your Son, Jesus Christ, until he calls us to himself. And so, Lord, this morning as you call us to worship, I pray you'll reveal yourself to us, Reveal more of yourself to us that we may know more about you and able to serve you more faithfully. Lord, we pray for our, our families that are hurting. Lord, we have those that have been sick, those that are facing surgeries. Uh, we have those that have uh, been ministering to their own uh, loved ones, their parents or their children. Uh, Lord, we are just praying, Lord, that your grace would abound in each of those cases, that your will would be known, that we would become obedient Lord, that it would not be just the desires of our heart, but it would be the desire of our heart to be in the center of your will. Change us, form and fashion that in us, Father. And Lord, we know as we come as a body, we don't deserve it, we haven't earned it. We've never done anything to accomplish being made right by our own efforts. But we are made perfect through your son, Jesus Christ, who tore the veil, opened the access, and has given us the opportunity to be in your presence as we pray together, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Remain standing for our confession of faith, which is right there before you. Let me read the question and then let's respond together. Question 60, can they who have never heard of the gospel and so not, know not Jesus Christ, nor believe in him, be saved by their living according to the light of nature? They who, who never heard the gospel, know not Jesus Christ, and believe not in him, cannot be saved, be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature or the laws of that religion which they profess. Neither is there salvation in any other, but in Christ alone, who is the Savior only of his body, the church. Question 61. Are all they saved who hear the gospel and live in the church? All that hear the gospel and live in the visible church are not saved, but only they who are true members of the church visible. One evidence of a true Christian is that you're convicted of your sin. You've realized that you have not lived up to the light of nature. You've not lived up to your, even your own standards, let alone God's standards. And we come to him humbly confessing our sins. So I invite you to pray this prayer, which is for you in the bulletin. Let's pray together. I come to you, O God, beseeching you to forgive the sins which beset me, my heedlessness of those who come after me. Forgive my love of money, my contempt for small things, and my worship of big things. Forgive me for neglecting those in need, my complacency and my pride of life. As for right things I've left undone, forgive me, O Lord, Almighty God. Give me grace to contend always for what is true and right, and to be ready, if need be, to suffer for it. Give me not over to fearfulness of soul, but lift me into that love which casts out fear, so that I may glorify and enjoy you now and forever. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. I think the Lord covered it there. It certainly helped me. And the assurance as we come to our Lord, this is what he says to us from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Your help doesn't come from your resolution now to do a better job than you did last week. Your help comes from the Lord who gives you grace, but he is changing you and he is changing me. And by grace through faith, we are becoming the people that God has called us to be. Now is an opportunity that we have to worship through giving, so I'm going to invite those who are going to receive this morning's offering to come forward, please, while I pray, and then the choir will sing for us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your grace, and Lord, even that prayer we, we see and we feel within ourselves how we've fallen short and how much we need you and how we're nothing without you. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us. Thank you, Lord, that as you have given your life for us and risen from the dead, we get to give everything to you, and we give to you now a portion of what you've given to us. And, Lord, everything belongs to you. Lord, use it, Lord, for those who haven't yet heard the gospel, <coughs> that those that we support that are out there and even our, our friends and neighbors around us who maybe haven't heard the gospel clearly, Lord, empower us once again to love them in your name and to share the gospel as you give us the opportunity. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. definitely don't want to miss it. What a blessing. Thank you again for the choir. What a wonderful opportunity if you would like to be a part of that. Every voice makes such a difference to be able to put that all together. And so we invite you, if you're able to come and sing, even if you can't do every song and you're able to participate in a few, we encourage you to come and be a part. While you're turning to Hebrews chapter 10, let me just fill you in that the writer of Hebrews has been reminding us over and over again about our need for that which is new, the new covenant, that which is present in Jesus Christ, that which is perfect for us. Today I want to talk to you about a thing I would title in my heart if I gave it to you called It Is Finished for Us. Just as he had cried out, to those on the cross, it is finished when he did what God asked him to do. What we don't realize is what he accomplished on the cross also finished it for us. If you're here this morning and you're trying to be made perfect in any other way other than the blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle. You're going to continue to find yourself falling short. You're going to continue to want to give up. And you're going to go back to the ways in which you knew and what you were familiar with. The writer of Hebrews constantly puts before us the challenge of what was the shadow and the copy against that which was the reality or the truth. Never in the plan of eternity can we find a place where God said, since the fall, that you can make it on your own. Now, I say that only because when Adam was created with Eve and he had that opportunity to sin or not to sin, obviously, even then in God's preordained, foredestined, planned, he knew and provided ahead of time that there would be a sacrifice for us. We find it in the first evangelical promise that's given between woman and the serpent. And the writer of Hebrews takes us back constantly to the shadow and the copy of things that were taking place over and over again. That they would always point to that which would perfect us, to that which would change us, to he who would change us, to he who would perfect us. 
who would be able to make us right so that we could draw near to God. For you can't draw near to God as his enemy, alienated from him because of your sin, because of your guilt that you carry. And yet, so many throughout the Old Testament found comfort in the mechanical process of just offering a sacrifice. I want to challenge you this morning here in Hebrews chapter 10, rather than just skipping over the first several verses, which seems to be a summary of all that is coming up to this point, let me remind you that as God speaks to us, you cannot depend upon the ritual of the old. You cannot depend upon the sacrifices of the animals. You cannot depend upon the covenant outside of Christ to get you to the place where God wants you to be. Here this morning, I want to challenge you to be made perfect, to let it be accomplished, to let it be finished for you, to accept Jesus Christ this Thanksgiving, the first one ever, maybe for some of you or your family that are able to say, thank you, God, for touching me. Thank you, God, for changing me. Thank you, God, for sending your son as an atonement for me. So here it is, chapter 10. It is finished. The inadequacy of the old brought together in that which brings about the perfect or the efficacy of the new in Christ. Listen to what he says, this once for all sacrifice. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers have once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of the bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scrolls of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added this, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All what? Time. Yes, he's going to remind us again, and this morning as you prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper, what better opportunity as God has worked it out through his scriptures for us to be challenged with what it is that we remember when we take the Lord's Supper. Here we find this challenge before us because some of us are still living in the inadequacy of the old covenant. We're still trusting and depending that God will see the goodness of some of our deeds or he will see some of the things that we have accomplished in life, or he will see that we have actually been a, a great 
uh, servant to our society. We have done well to humankind in general. We have made society a better place as whole. And because of that, he will find grace on me and I will be saved. For how could God send someone like me to hell? Well, listen to this. For since the law was but a shadow, write this down, keep this, why is it that you cannot make it on the old covenant and the sacrifices? Why is it that you cannot make it on your own works? Why is it that it is inadequate? Write this down. Number one, it is because the old was based on repetition. It must be over and over. It's not my word, it's scripture. Listen to what it says when he tells us that they have to be offered repeatedly in order for us to find a feeling of forgiveness. This repetition, otherwise, think about this. Verse 2 says this. Otherwise, they would have ceased to have been offered if they were able to make us perfect. Folks, just the whole understanding of the repetition of the sacrifice admits to us that the sacrifice was not accomplishing what God wanted or intended for us to have. What he really wanted us to have was a right relationship. What he wanted us to have was to be delivered from guilt. What he wanted us to have was to be reconciled with him, to have all of this guilt removed. And the sacrifice, which would bring in this temporary feeling for us, became the wholehearted sacrificial system in which we thought would just make us right by doing it by itself. In other words, just offering the sacrifice began to be pleasing to the people, just going through the motions going through the activity, going through the yearly ritual, fellowshipping around the annual event. The reason the offerings are mentioned so many times in this passage is the Greek makes it clear, back into the writings of the old, even the references made from the Septuagint, that we're not talking about just the Day of Atonement. The ESV does good when it brings up the, the differences of the Day of Atonement sacrifice, the sin sacrifice, the guilt offering, the sin offering, the free will offering. These are all the things that take place annually because it was the festivities that took place that allowed people to feel like they were right with God. Just being a part of the activity took place of what was really necessary to be right with God. Just being a part of the activity replaced actually being right with God. They were happy with the feeling that they could just be along and go along with everyone else and seemingly be right with God. What a challenge it puts before us. I won't go too deep into all the words, but from verse 8 when it talks about being sanctified to verse 1 and 2 when we talk about being perfect or being made right or being cleansed or being made holy. These are all the same words. In Greek, we get the words for teleu, which is the word for perfect. We get the katharizo, which we've talked about for cleansing. We get the hagiazo for holiness or sanctified. All of these words are used together conjunctively in Scripture to point to perfection. These are the things that must take place in order for us to be able to enter the presence of God. You must be cleansed. You must be sanctified. You must be purified. You must be set apart. You must be made holy. The word that is used, telayu, is the word that's the reference to all of them that says, at some point, we must be made perfect. We must be made that which is the end goal in order for us to be with the Father. Only Christ can do that. 
the old, as we are told, does not work, and it's proof just by the repetition itself. I know it's a crazy analogy, but sometimes we long for something to be perfect because we're tired of the same old ritual. Some of you might have the same old rituals in your life that you have to do over and over because it's the only way it gets done and it never lasts. This past week as my wife traveled, we were reminded of some of those easy tasks that I wish there was an answer to that would always be done once and for all. Women, I don't know about you. Men, I don't know how many of you take place in it. But there's something about a dishwasher that seemed to brought heavenly wonders to the world. And even that doesn't work. Isn't it amazing that whether you do them by hand or you throw them in the dishwasher or you give them to the dog to lick or you hide them on the back porch or I don't, I guess you don't do that, but you won't visit anymore. No matter how many times you eat, no matter how many times you do it, you have to what? You do it again and you do it again. And you're standing there, what a blessing. I know, ladies, every one of you have said this, what a joy in the ritual of cleaning dishes. The look forward to the day when I'll never have to do this again. Folks, I know it's a crazy analogy, but that's the repetitiveness that we sometimes are blessed with. And we get happy with the blessing. Rather than thinking about the food which nourished us, rather than thinking about the health which it provided and the service which, which we will be able to render to the Lord and to the salvation that will come our way, we're just as satisfied to say, wow, thank the Lord I have a dishwasher. Thank the Lord that helps me through the ritual of that which really does not matter because it never fully accomplishes that which I wish would happen until you retire and go out to eat for the rest of the meals that you have. I say that sincerely because when my grandfather retired, he came home, I was old enough to remember from the general pump company, when he sat down at the table, I would ride my bike, believe it or not, back then, about 10 miles across Colorado Springs. We would go out the Garden of the Gods Road. Back then, it was out in the middle of the country. And so you go on a little two-lane road, and we would ride our bikes 10 miles up through the Garden of the Gods and come down 31st Street and stop at my grandma's house there at 28th Avenue, which is where my brother still lives today. And she would always have tombstone pizzas and Eggo waffles. That's how long those things have been there. But, you know, we would get there all the time, and I remember the one day I got there, and my grandfather was there, and I thought, wow, he's here during the daytime. And he sat down at the table, and he said, yes, I have officially retired. Now I can be here to spend time with you. And I'll never forget my grandma's response. She said, and I, too, have retired, so let's go to Wendy's. <laughs> that was their little restaurant right down there on 28th Street. And she thought, Harold, if you're going to retire, so am I. And folks, I know reality says we have things in our life that are just repetition and we get used to that. We know it's necessary. But folks, the sad part is spiritually, the people were satisfied with the old that never really accomplished what was intended and they put their faith in just the mechanical process of doing. And maybe this morning, if you'll give me a little freedom, I could say to those same words about being cleansed, being made right, being set apart, being perfect. Is that your heart in worship this morning? Or are we just here as a mechanical process of a weekly service that makes us feel like we're okay with God if we'll just do it? Or is it really shaping you and preparing you 
for what God has truly intended? Do you just long for the weekly worship, or do you long for the worship? Do you just long for the weekly gathering together, or do you long for the preparation for the coming again? Do you long for the ritual of just coming to tithe, to do the study, and to be a part here, or do you long to be with the one who's prepared you for all eternity? That's why the old falls short. That's why it cannot provide what is necessary, because we are told just the repetition itself proves that if he is perfect, Jesus Christ, then everything else must be what? Imperfect. Just by definition of repetition and terminology, the writer simply says to us, stop trusting in the system and start looking to the Savior. This morning, you need to stop trusting in the system. It's repetitive. It's mechanical. And you can find yourself coming to worship, and you can find yourself in the middle of prayer. I know I have. I know I'm thankful for the Lord's Prayer inside the cover of my Bible, tacked just like the one you have in your hymn book. Oh, I could tell it to you by heart since the day I was eight years old. But let me tell you how mechanical preaching can be. Let me tell you how mechanical pastoring can be. Let me tell you how mechanical praying can be when you find yourself in the middle of prayer and not knowing what you're supposed to say because your mind is what? You're not paying attention, are you? Isn't that amazing that we would allow our worship in our presence of God to just be mechanical? I'm going to go to church today, but I'm going to work on my stuff that I have for my job. I'll just take my laptop along with me, plug into the Wi-Fi, and I'll accomplish the things I need so at least I can be in the building. I've got my phone, Pastor, because it's where I have my Bible. It's amazing how Pac-Man chases Ezekiel around the whole thing there, <laughs> backward and forward. I'm talking about my children, right? Not yours. It's amazing how mechanical life has come. And so all of a sudden, the writer takes a break. He throws it right here in the midst of everything that's important. And he says, folks, once again, it's the sacrifice once for all time that matters, not all the ritual that's gathered around it, not all the mechanical activity that's taking place. Your heart must be right. Are you longing for the one who's truly going to save you? This mechanicalness that we're talking about so creeps into our life. And then all of a sudden... We find ourselves not even worshiping, thinking, or adoring for just one hour. The one who's given us all eternity. Where's your heart this morning? Have you been able to say, I left it at home. I left it at work. I left it with my children. I've left it with my spouse, my parents. Where is your heart this morning? Or is it right here, excited to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit?
The old falls short just because of repetition. It cannot remove guilt. It cannot reconcile us. Look at number two, another thing that he begins to tell us in the next verses, beginning in verse three. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin. Folks, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. We too have a ritual. We too have a sacrament. We too have something that God has given us to remind us faithfully of what has taken place in our life. And it's not a reminder of what? Sin. We don't take the Lord's Supper this morning. If you're here and you're fellowshipping with us and you're going to take it, we're not taking the Lord's Supper to remind us of our sins. When we take the Lord's Supper, we say it was His body broken for us. It was His blood shed for us. It's because we have salvation in Him and Him alone. The remembrance is not about how sinful we are and how hopeless we are. It's about the grace that we've received from God and how our faith can be increased. And that it's all about remembering not our sins, but the one who has covered them. Who has conquered them. Who has taken them away. This morning, I pray, when you take the Lord's Supper, if you're a Christian, you've made a profession of faith, you've called upon Jesus to cleanse you of your sin. The Bible simply says, if you call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. It's the simple plan that just simply says, I want the sacrifice once and for all time for me. I want my sins to be covered. I want my guilt to go away. Pastor, I want to take the Lord's Supper today, and I want to remember Jesus, not my sin. I want to remember Jesus, not my failures. I want to remember Jesus, not all the shortcomings. But I will promise you this, if you're only here this morning out of a mechanical obedience, you won't experience what the Lord's Supper was really intended for anyway. When the disciples came back, working to go out and to share their faith and to heal people along with Jesus, wasn't it amazing that Jesus empowered others to do what he was doing? And they would come back frustrated because they couldn't do it the way he did it, and people were getting angry. I remember when the disciples showed up one time into his presence, and do you remember what he said? Lord, we cannot do all this. Why is it we can't do this? He said, oh, ye of what? Little faith. Do you remember what the disciples said? Lord, increase my faith. When we take of the Lord's Supper, a sacrament, a mystery, for those of us who are in Christ, who have come to worship, who have set all things aside, forgot about the mechanical side of it, and here because our hearts are devoted to the one who has given himself to us, we're able to say, I do this in remembrance of him so that my faith might be increased, that I could be more like him. Oh, it falls short because of repetition, but it also falls short because it's a remembrance simply of sin. The old was never intended to bring about a remedy of sin. The old did accomplish its purpose. Let me say the old is in the law. Paul will even remind us of that. Folks, I'm not saying the law was bad. I'm not trying to intend that the law needs to be done away with it. It led us astray. No, the law did everything it was intended to do. The law, according to the scriptures, according to Paul in his writings of Galatians, it was the law that was a tutor that would lead us to Christ. He was the one who was the schoolmaster, some translations say. It was the law that was given to us as a shadow and a copy of the things that would come. We've talked about this. It's the Greek word skia, which is the way of a copy or a shadow. It goes opposite of icon, which is the truth or the reality. 
What he was saying is the law was only a copy. Do you remember when Moses came off the mountain and they built the tabernacle? It was only a what? A copy of that which was the reality. Jesus didn't come into the earthly place. He resides in the what? The reality of the true place of atonement where he's interceding for us. Oh, the law did what it was supposed to do. It did remind us of our sin. It reminded us of our need for God. It reminded us of the need for a sacrifice that would cover our guilt, that would bring reconciliation and repentance and atonement, all those fancy words that would just simply say, we are able to be in the presence of the Almighty. What the law simply said was this, Lord, prepare me while I'm here so that I will be ready to be in your presence when I'm there. That's the summary of Scripture. It's the plan of reconciliation from old to new. Lord, do whatever you need to do to me while I'm here so that I will be ready to enjoy your presence when I'm there. Create in me a what? Clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me is what David calls out. And the moment he needed anything, he didn't pray for others. He prayed first for what? Himself. Himself. What's your prayer this morning? I hope it's not like the unrepentant sinner. Lord, I'm glad my family's not like the neighbors. I'm sure my kids aren't as rambunctious as the neighbors. I'm sure glad my family doesn't have the hard times like others. I'm sure glad my kids are involved in activities that others don't. Or is it the simply, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. Forgive me for being so mechanical and so repetitious that I'm now trusting in the momentum rather than in the Messiah. Oh, we can't trust in the repetition. We don't want to be reminded constantly of our sins. We want those to be taken care of. Folks, you're a new creature. Paul said, behold, the old is gone, the new has come. All things have been made new. The writer is reminding us that that's what's taking place here. Look at verses 5 through 9. This is an amazing story. I'll summarize it quickly. He's quoting from Psalm 40. He simply says, a body you have prepared for me that I might do your will. Folks, if you're one who studies and have done any research, this is an amazing story. I was sharing with my daughter Amara the other day. She kind of looked at me like this. Huh? Have you ever had one of those moments when you're all excited about things going on and you're talking about the, those big fancy eschatological atonements that take place in the theological realms and your kids look at you and go, yeah. You ever had those? I was so excited about learning this, folks. Here's why I like it. If you've done any of your references back in Scripture and you like this, Jesus is quoting Psalm 40. And if you go back and read Psalm 40, it does not say a body he has prepared for me. It doesn't say that. That is not what the Hebrew says. It's amazing how God uses Scripture. If you go back to what is quoted there, it goes into places, but Psalm 40, and I'm just going to summarize for you because I don't expect you to know all the Hebrew. The actual Hebrew actually says this, my ear you have pierced or opened. And only in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the writers back then translated the Old Testament to say, a body you have prepared for me. From my ear you have pierced, 
or opened to a body you have prepared for me in order to do your will. Now, you could go to Exodus 20 and go to Leviticus, and you could read all about it. I'm going to summarize. I believe it's the truth, and I believe the translators have brought it over, right? There are many places for it, but this was the beginning of the year. Back in Exodus chapter 20, if you were a slave, a purchased servant of somebody else, you would work for them for six years. I'll let you go back and read the whole chapter. And when the time of the six years was up, and if you were still alone, you were free. If you had acquired a wife that was yours, you could take her with. But if it was given, you could had to leave her. And if you had children with the one that was given, they had to stay behind. And long story short, if you chose to be a servant willingly to this master for the rest of your days, you would go to the post, and they would take the awl, and they would pierce your ear as a sign that you would be someone's servant the rest of your days. Puts a whole new twist on pierced ears, doesn't it? <laughs> or just whose servant are you? You see, the point wasn't the lobe that was pierced. It was the inner ear. It was the analogy of the teaching that simply said this. If you had pierced your ear, it was the same thing as saying my body is going to go willingly wherever it needs to go. Because if you were to grab someone, parents, I'm just giving you a hint, by the ear, and you begin to tug on them, the whole body is going to what? It's going to follow. Don't pinch the little part. There's no feeling there. Trust me, I've tried it. <laughs> it's amazing how you can grab kids by the earlobe and they're like, yeah, doesn't hurt me, Dad. Grab them by the elbow right here. It doesn't hurt. That's not what he's talking about. We're not talking about the things that don't bother us. We pierced the inner ear as a sign that I would be a willing servant to do your will the rest of my days. Psalm 40, we believe, is the record of Jesus the Messiah. It's a messianic psalm, we call it, when Jesus is saying to the Father, Father, a body you have prepared for me so that I might do your will. How else would the word ever be able to accomplish salvation if it was not made flesh to dwell amongst us and to be the glory of the only begotten of God? Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a what? A living sacrifice. To let your inner ear be pierced so that your body will go and do whatever it is the one who's leading you says you should do. Willing servanthood was not found in the early old sacrificial system. Oh, let me jump quickly this morning to simply tell you that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, after he's killed the Amalekite kings. You're studying it for those of you in Samuel. He's glorying and reveling in his victory, and he wants to share and provide a sacrifice. And they said, no, wait for Samuel. We need to do this the right way. We need to remain obedient to the Father and do it his way. Saul, the mighty king warrior, said, I'm sure God will understand because I did this for him. Yeah, when Samuel showed up, he simply said, to this day, God's taken your kingdom. Cut off the Amalekite king's head, Agag, I believe. And he said, to obey is better 
than sacrifice. I could give you many passages. Write these down. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. Jeremiah 7, verse 22. Hosea 6, verse 6. I could go on and on to Micah 6, 6 through 8, in which you yourself knows the Lord has called us but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with the Lord. The old is ineffective. The writer simply tells us it must be replaced, which is exactly what we're told at the very end. Verse 9, Jesus says, I have come to do your will, back in Psalm. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. We're not living by the law in the copies, in the shadows, in the foresight of what God has planned to lead us to. Because we have the second, the new, the fulfillment. All that the old foreshadowed and looked to has now come in Jesus Christ. And now that he's here, we have done away with the first, the repetitive, the one that was unable to remove our guilt, unable to reconcile, unable to redeem. And we now place our faith in the new, the second, the Jesus Christ. The one who says, I have come to obey your will. Please do not leave here this morning saying, Pastor Jerry thinks we ought to be perfect. I really do. But when you tell people that, they'll misunderstand what you're saying. Only perfect people go to heaven. I believe that with all my heart. And only Jesus Christ can perfect the worshiper and make you exactly what he wants you to be in his time and in his way so that in his presence you are tantelier the end and the perfect cleansed purified sanctified set apart and made holy and it only comes in jesus christ let's pray heavenly father i thank you that is in your son that we have our guilt removed. It is in your son that we confront our guilt. We don't write it off to certain therapies or self-helps. We don't write it off to community gatherings and awarenesses. Lord, we don't suppress it as they did in Romans chapter 1. Lord, we confront our sin, our shortcomings, and our guilt in your son, Jesus Christ. We confess, we are sinners. We need you. We need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit to change us, to renew us, and to make us right. Lord, prepare our hearts as we remember this morning just what your son has done. It's in his name I pray. Amen.
As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I'll invite those of us officers who will be helping me to come forward and let me just quickly say this. Please don't live in the old. Come to the new. You can be made perfect in the finished way and work of Jesus Christ. And this morning we have the opportunity to remember just what it is that he's done. I'm going to ask the gentlemen, if they would, to take the trays and pass them out. If you would please take a piece of bread and hold on to it while they pass that out. Then I will be take a moment to read to you from what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And again, I remind you that what Jesus did on that night that he was with his disciples wasn't saying, I want you to remember how sinful you are. This is not the moment in when we gather together to say, Lord, help me to remember my sin. This is the time in which we gather to remember what Jesus has done to our sin. If you're here this morning and again you belong to Jesus Christ, your sins have been forgiven. The sins of the past, the sins of today, and so much grace that even the sins you've yet to commit The blood of Christ was a once-for-all-time sacrifice. We're gathering together to remember just what it is Jesus has done for us. Let's not put the focus back on ourselves and where we have failed, where we have sinned, where we have done wrong, where we need to change, where we need to do different. The focus is not on us. The focus is on Jesus Christ. In the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper, is it not, that you eat? For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What is this? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I will not commend the body of Christ treating each other the way the world treats each other. You have been set apart, sanctified, hagiatza. You have been cleansed, katharizo. You have been purified for Jesus Christ. His blood for you. The church and his body ought to look different from the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would give him for us, that his body would be shed for us, that he would give it on a cross, that he could say it is finished, not just for what you've asked him to do, but it is finished for us. He has done all that we would ever need for us to be prepared to be in your presence. Help us to remember that this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed. He took the bread, he broke it, and giving thanks, he said, This is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Again, as they pass out the drink, I would ask that you please take one and hold one until we can all take together. It is all juice uh, in the tray, so it doesn't matter which one you take. And again, we are in the same chapter that I would like to read that is so important in Hebrews, where we have been studying exactly what he says about the blood. When Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats, calves, but by the means of his own blood. The calves, the bulls, and the goats didn't come willingly. Jesus did. They didn't give of themselves. Jesus did. And their blood couldn't cleanse you. Jesus's can. The difference between the old and the new. If you're still living in the old, you've not been cleansed. You've not been made right. You've not been separated or made holy. You've not been, Tom, tell you, made perfect. For if the blood of the goats and the bulls and the sprinkling of the defiled persons with the ashes of this heifer could sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify your conscience from the dead works to serve the living Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Yes, the body of Christ is different. We have been separated. We have been called out. Hagiat. We have been cleansed in the blood of Christ. Our sins have been taken away. And we have been perfected. If you remember in the old testament when the high priest would put his hands on the altar and the winged creatures the seraphim the cherubim would be above it and they would look down from heaven and he would sprinkle the blood on the altar the whole point would be if god was satisfied he would look down from heaven and he would see the blood shed rather than the broken commandments the disobedience and the rebellion inside the ark he would see the blood shed instead of us. So I guess what you could say in the Old Testament is when the priest did his work, it was a prayer that God would take the blood of sacrifice in place of the sinner. And when Jesus' blood was shed, we are told it is his blood that covers us. When God looks down from heaven, he doesn't see the brokenness of the people. He sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ, and treats us as though we're perfect. 
Only perfect people go to heaven. Paul writes it in the same way when he said, after he had given thanks and broken it and told him it was his body, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we have been purified through your Son, Jesus Christ. We have been cleansed and set apart. Give us the strength, your Holy Spirit, to live that reality. Help us to stop living in the shadows, in the copies, and help us to be in the light of the truth, the reality of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. And if you would receive a benediction, let me read from Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.